0: Welcome to Wind Up Weekly.
1: I'm Matthew Gone
0: and I'm Katie Canfield
1: and we're here to share the week's news and wine.
0: This week on Wind Up Weekly, Cava launches international campaign to promote its profile.
1: UK online publication The Buyer announces its first conference for March 2020 called One Step Beyond.
0: Port legend Ian Simmington dies, aged 90.
1: And as ever, our wine of the week.
0: So to start out, we'll look at our weekend wine. And Matthew, you had an interesting tour earlier this week, didn't you?
1: Yes, I went to Robert Mondavi Winery in Napa, California.
0: And why were you there?
1: Well, it's actually a winery I've never visited before, even though it's one of the most historic and famous and central to the development of California wine. But I went there because I was invited by Constellation Brands, because I achieved the highest score in North America of any Stage 1 Master of Wine student.
0: And you got $1,000, didn't you?
1: Still waiting for that, yes, but it's on its way, apparently.
0: Well, congratulations, Matthew. We're all very proud of you.
1: Thank you. And I have to say I was initially a little uh, kind of underwhelmed by a visit to Robert Mondavi because the wines are available all over, all over the world. But I was actually quite impressed. It's a beautiful location. I had a tour of the Tocalon Vineyard, which is a huge vineyard in the heart of Oakville. It's like 450 hectares. A lot of it owned by Robert Mondavi and Constellation Brands, but also by Opus One, who are across the road, and also by um, Andy Beckstoffer who sells his fruit to some prestigious winemakers. And it makes extremely high-quality Cabernet Sauvignon. And I did try um, the Reserve Robert Mondavi Cabernet, which comes from Tocolon, from the 2016 vintage and the 05 vintage, and it was extremely good.
0: And so who did you tour around with?
1: Uh, Two MWs, uh, Mark Devere, who's the... Director of Education at Mondavi and Constellation Brands, and he's been there 22 years, so he actually worked with Mondavi back in the 90s. And um, with Nova Kadamatre, who's the new Senior Director of Winemaking, who oversees all the projects which are uh, at Mondavi, not just Mondavi, but wines like The Prisoner, which really bring in the money.
0: Well, so this whole tour was a really nice uh, intro to the next activity of the week, which I joined you at. The New Zealand Wine Growers uh, Tasting event called New Zealand Naturally. And that was on Wednesday in San Francisco. Uh, so we tasted quite a bit of Sauvignon Blanc. And you said there was a correlation with what you learned on Monday at Robert Mondavi.
1: Yes, um, so I tasted uh, three of the Mondave Fume Blancs, which is the Sauvignon Blanc brand that he created in the 1960s. And um, I tasted the kind of entry level Fume Blanc, which is very tasty, a bit creamier than usual. Uh, the Reserve Fume Blanc, which is a bit nuttier and older. Then the iBlock Fume Blanc, which is from vines planted in 1945. And what I also learnt, which I never knew, and I'd actually like to do some more research into this. Is that apparently the Fumé Blanc was what inspired plantings of Sonium Blanc in New Zealand. Um, A couple of winemakers were visiting in the late 60s and were so impressed by the Mandavi Fumé Blanc that they decided to plant the grape in New Zealand and then in Marlborough and obviously the rest is history.
0: Hmm. Well, we tasted quite a few Sauvignon Blancs while we were in San Francisco, uh, one of which was a Grey Wacky, which we know all too well. We sold it at Hanging Ditch uh, when we were working together in the UK, and I think the standout would be the Wild Sauvignon Blanc, which is... Uh, native fermentation. And that also relates to something you learned at Mandavi. So tell us about that.
1: Yes, they're experimenting with um, native fermentation for Sauvignon Blanc, but doing it in very small doses because it's a very hard grape variety to work with. It doesn't always catch. And some of the flavors can be a bit weird as well because Sauvignon Blanc is kind of so dramatic in its aromatics. And Nova actually told me that they sent a little bit of the 1945 uh, parcel to the laboratory just to see how it would ferment on its own. And after two weeks, absolutely nothing had happened. There'd be no fermentation whatsoever. So it's really impressive that Grey Wacky and uh, the winemaker Kevin Rudd, they make their Wild Sauvignon Blanc year after year, and it's really consistent, and it always ferments.
0: Yes, well, we'll have to ask Kevin next time we're in New Zealand. Other takeaways from the event uh, was sustainability. That was a, a big focus of the New Zealand wine growers during this tasting event. Over 98% of the vineyards are sustainable in New Zealand. The country likes to promote. And this was kind of the center of the the seminar led by Elaine Khan Brown and the tasting. So tasted quite a few good wines and ranging from $15 to 115 Astrolab was a, a new brand that we weren't familiar with before that really stood out. And Waipapa Bay, which at $15 offered... Really great value.
1: Yes, I was impressed by the uh, Sauvignon Blancs at the tasting. Uh, it seemed more mature and less assertive than uh, kind of you typically associate with New Zealand's Sauvignon Blanc. So it feels like the industry is really growing up. And also, Kim Crawford was there. who's an interesting character. Not quite as business savvy as you might expect from such a large brand.
0: Well, he was pouring his Love Block brand, right? So that's not quite as commercial as the Kim Crawford many know and love.
1: Indeed, in fact, one of them is actually an orange Sauvignon Blanc, and that's from the 2019 vintage, so it's fun to try wines from this very year.
0: All right, after that very extensive weekend wine summary, now on with the news. The Cava Consejo Regulador has responded to growing division over the future of the Spanish sparkling wine by announcing a strategic plan over the next four years to develop its quality and reputation. The plan will focus on quality by introducing stricter quality measures and on marketing by focusing on high-end restaurants and retailers through tastings and education. As 60% of kava is exported, the marketing will target five of its major markets. The strategic plan follows nine kava producers breaking away from the DO to form Corpinat earlier this year, with a focus solely on Penedes and higher quality kava.
1: So it sounds, Katie, like kava is finally realizing that its reputation It's hurting it somewhat, and they're actually doing something to deal with that.
0: It does, and you know the Cavadillo exports more wine than any other Spanish Appalachian, Uh, and yet there's been a ton of internal dissent uh, over quality. Producers like Ravento C. Blanc have left the DO. You know, for me, I think I was largely in the dark about CAVA before I did a case study with the WSET diploma. It was focused on CAVA, so I had to do a load of research and do a kind of a closed book exam about the subject. And I realized that although, you know, quality for me, I've never found extremely good CAVAs. Maybe they're very few and far between. But some of these producers are very interesting people and the grapes that they have to work with it seems like they have a lot of good resources but they're just not doing enough to actually make the quality reach the end product and the consumer
1: yes and um there, one problem is that uh, cava covers about a third of the spanish wine region so it's not really focused on a one particular region It's just why the formation of Corpinat is there to focus on Penedes, which is where most Cava comes from. And then there are producers uh, determined to make the single vineyard wines and really promote the quality. So maybe Cava is finally going in the right direction. Quality over quantity.
0: A long way to go, but they're going in the right direction. And in the UK online publication, The Buyer, announces its first conference for March 2020, One Step Beyond. Consumer trends are always hard to keep up with, and in particular, the wine industry has always seemed a bit behind when it comes to shifts in purchasing behaviors and the power of new technologies that are driving them. So the buyer is linking up with the and Spirit Trade Association and Jumpstart, an agency headed by Sophie Jump that specializes in brand and sales development for wineries in Argentina, Chile, France and China to connect them to pertinent representatives in the UK and other key European markets. The collaboration will launch a new conference focused on trends, innovations, and technology that the drinks industry needs to get ahead of the game. The conference will invite trends and technology experts from outside the industry to share their insights with key decision makers across beer, wine, and spirits. Confirmed speakers include Paul Mabry from Ametri, James Poulter of Vixen Labs, and James Harmer and Nikki Sherlock of Touchpack Design, along with other drinks industry panelists. So it seems to be a trend. Uh, I do know that there is the Wine Industry Technology Symposium coming up here October 1st in Napa, and this is a conference that's been going on for some years now, hosted by Wine Business Monthly, and also the Future Wine Expo, which is to debut in May 2020 in Santa Rosa, California, uh, put on by the Beverage Trade Network. So it seems the wine industry is turning to technology to find out where to go next.
1: Yes, online and digital sales are going to be very important for wine as for other products as well. And it's like how to exploit those avenues of sales, but also how to learn about what the consumer wants and how to give the consumer what they want or what they do, don't need, don't know that they want right now. So it's using that data analytics to um, really exploit sales, which the wine industry is not really doing that well up to now.
0: Yeah, well, my experience has largely been in marketing, but I've always felt it is a good idea to look outside the wine industry to see how people are really doing things right. So it makes sense that here with technology, they would be inviting people from outside the industry to get some really quality insight. Plus, Richard Siddle is a good friend of ours. So if you're in the UK or around that area in March, we encourage you to attend. (laughs)
1: Sad news this week that Ian Symington has died at the age of 90. One of the leading uh, trade figures in port. And he really helped revive the Symington brand after World War II and during the fascist dictatorship up until the 1970s and kept the company going and Symington's a really major player in Port now, making extremely good wines and really at the forefront of t- uh, technological developments. They were the ones who pioneered the robotic Lagares to replace the uh, foot-treading. And they also own quite a few uh, different Port brands as well, inc- including Graham, War, Dow, and th- in the 80s, they also bought Quinta do Vesuvio, which is one of the great vineyards in uh, Port. So a really uh, moved Port, away from its old-fashioned, staid image into something that's much more contemporary and really focused on terroir and quality.
0: That is sad news. We've had to say goodbye to a few wine industry icons in the past couple of years. And what, in your opinion, would is Symington's legacy for Port and for the wine industry as a whole?
1: I think that focused on quality and also brand recognition. So the brands that Simington own are very widely available, but at the same time, extremely high quality. And then just moving port from, um, it's kind of backward days, if you like, because up until the 1980s, the Douro was inaccessible other other than by boat or by donkey. And now it's actually becoming a a very touristic region. And the Simington's property is certainly one to visit because it's a great tour and you taste uh, some really good wines as well. So it feels very contemporary. And I think that's the most important thing, that port is contemporary. (coughs) Now, for our wine of the week, which Katie is.
0: You always make me do the hard pronunciations. Jules de Journy, Les Ciels pour celles Limit, Pouli Vincel, 2015. How did I do?
1: Well, if you want to um, know how to pronounce that correctly, just go to my app, French Pronunciation Wine Guide, available on iTunes.
0: Shameless self promotion. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Well, this wine, however we want to say it, is absolutely outstanding.
0: From a superstar Beaujolais producer, certified organic, practicing biodynamic, Fabien Duperey. He was a Burgundy negotiant, moved to Beaujolais 12 years ago to make wine, and he also makes white macané.
1: Which is uh, what we drank this week. So the Puy Vanzel is arguably the best of the lot for the white macané. And it's a really great example of just how good macané can be, and that it can easily equal its more fam- famous counterparts in the Côte d'Or.
0: Fermented in concrete and glass vessels, aged in 30% new oak.
1: Yeah, very unusual to um, find a wine fermented in glass vessels. Uh, Partly because they're not quite as protective with oxygen as um, other vessels, but this one works very well indeed.
0: Well, I found this bottle in the fridge uh, late night, coming home from a a late work event.
1: The New Zealand event we were talking about before, in fact.
0: That's correct. I had to stay later because I had a whole other event to do following with the consumer portion. Anyway, 10 o'clock at night, roll in, find this bottle in the fridge, had a glass, and I was over the moon, and so happy that Matthew was able to leave me a few drops.
1: Yeah, I don't know how I did it. It was going down very well, but I stopped myself and said, no, Katie has to enjoy this wine as well, because it's everything we want. It's white burgundy at its very finest, delicate, but rich at the same time, with a fresh acidity, but with a body and weight, just so balanced and so complex, and so so long in its finish as well.
0: And the label is great as well. I'm sure we'll get it on the Instagram post, so be sure to check it out. And what's the price point?
1: It is pricey. It's just over $50, but it's very limited production. Um, I think this is one of the last bottles in California that we tried. But do look out for his, this wine and his other wines as well. Um, I really want to try the Beaujolais too.
0: Cheers to that. <laughs> so that's it for this week's Wind Up Weekly. I'm Katie Canfield. I'm Matthew Gom join us next week. We'll be here Monday for another wind-up.
1: Cheerio!